Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. I have a confession to make. I'm not a big Valentine's Day person. Never have been, probably never will be. Thinking about your relationship peaking or being extra special on a single day just seems counterproductive and counterintuitive to making a long-lasting relationship work. I personally like the idea of thinking about your marriage, your long-term relationship as something that's ongoing, a collaboration, even an adventure. I like those words because they encompass the ups and the downs. Sometimes an adventure is wonderful and fun and exciting and new and you freaking love it. And sometimes it's challenging and you don't know if you're going to make it through. But you push forward and you get through it anyway. Likewise, sometimes a collaboration is easy and productive and fruitful. And sometimes it seems impossible to complete even the simplest of tasks together. So that's why we created two quickie episodes for you this Valentine's Day. A collaboration and an adventure. First, we'll meet Jimmy Chin and his wife, Chai Vazraeli. They collaborated on one of this year's most lauded Academy Award-nominated documentaries, Free Solo. Next up, we'll have a couple who met in Antarctica, and they've spent the majority of their marriage traveling to one of the most hostile environments on the Earth. Their life is a constant adventure. I'm Joe Piazza. This is committed. Oh, and happy Valentine's Day. Jimmy Chin and Chai Vazraeli are the co-directors of the Oscar-nominated documentary Free Solo. If you haven't seen it yet, it's this stunning and sometimes terrifying documentary about the rock climber Alex Honnold's attempt to climb 3,000 feet of El Capitan in Yosemite National Park without a rope. People who aren't climbers look at what he's doing and they think, wow, you know, that's crazy, but he, he knows what he's doing, so he's probably pretty safe. But the people who do know what he's doing are really freaked out because the technical difficulty of what he is doing is at the very elite level, top 
echelon of climbing with a rope on. For Yosemite, big wall, free climbing, you know, it's very, very difficult. But then to add on the fact that he's climbing it without a rope is just inconceivable to even the best climbers in the world. Now, it's not easy to make something together as a couple. It's even harder to make something that is truly spectacular. But Jimmy and Chai did it. First, though, let's back up. Jimmy and Chai first met when Jimmy was working on a film called Meru. That was a movie about Jimmy and two of his climbing partners attempting to climb the shark's fin. That's 20,000 feet on top of Mount Meru, the most technically complicated and dangerous peak in the Himalayas. Here's a clip. I always wondered how I was going to die, and now, now I know. Meru is the culmination of all I've done, and all I've wanted to do is this peak and this climb. This is the test of the master climber. Jimmy and Conrad have climbed Everest four or five times. This is a whole different kind of climbing. So Jimmy had all this footage of his climb, and he was speaking at a Summit Series conference, giving a talk about climbing Meru that was actually more of a talk about failure and learning from those failures. But right before he was supposed to go and give his talk, he met Chai. Now at that time, Jimmy was a super accomplished climber and filmmaker, but Chai was an incredibly accomplished filmmaker in her own right. She was currently working on a documentary about a pilgrimage in Senegal, and that would go on to win the special jury prize for best cinematography at South by Southwest. <laughs> All right. I was standing outside where I was giving a talk and it was probably 10 minutes beforehand. So, you know, we were both kind of alone and I started talking to her. And after some small talk, I invited her to the talk. I was like, hey, I'm giving a talk right here if you want to check it out. And it was pretty funny because she just kind of looked at me and said, "Hmm, no, thanks. Jimmy's described that moment her just blowing him off as totally chai. But she did end up going, and they connected afterwards. I heard that she was a a filmmaker, so I was really curious to hear her thoughts on it for any feedback. And so I, you know, got her contact information and sent her uh, a link to the film and then didn't hear from her for three months. And, you know, I just assumed... A, she wasn't at all interested in me, and B, she thought the film was really bad. But she actually was in Senegal uh, making her other film, Incorruptible. Chai, what did you end up thinking about his movie? The footage was so special because it was so intimate. It was these three friends who were clearly very close filming themselves in this extreme situation. It was just kind of clear that a wonderful film could be made but it wasn't necessarily obvious, right? Like how to do it. So I was interested in helping Jimmy in any way I could, or at least just saying like, this is important, you have to finish it. And that was the start of it all. After that, they'd try to see each other whenever they were in the same city, which wasn't that often because their jobs took them all over the world. Well, we had a lot of half dates. Like it was lunch when Jimmy was passing through New York You know, it's kind of like a get-to-know-you date. 
One of their earliest dates was in Yosemite National Park, a place that was incredibly special for Jimmy as a professional climber. I just remember going to the meadow with Jimmy and looking up at El Cap and just seeing how huge it is and those little lights of people sleeping there on their portal ledges. And I mean, it's like Yosemite is like where unicorns come from. You can imagine the dinosaurs cruising through there. Um, it's just a really special place that puts things into perspective. And so it was, it was inspiring to be there with him. And Chai kept thinking about Maru and how she could help Jimmy with the project. How she could come on to collaborate, enhance it, maybe even make it better. So did you guys start out as collaborators before you started dating? No, no. we started dating first. We started dating first. Yeah, because I think there was some reluctancy from Chai to collaborate on the film once we started dating. But, you know, I think that we both trusted each other on the creative front as well. And I certainly really looked up to her capacity as a filmmaker. Chai came on as the co-director of Meru. She rewrote, reshot. The movie went on to be the highest grossing independent documentary of 2015. See, all of the elements to make Meru existed before Chai came on. But it was her collaboration with Jimmy that took it from the typical climbing movie to something viscerally human. She brought in more interviews with the climbers, their wives, their families. She pushed these personal relationships to the forefront. She said that it just became natural at that point. Because then she had skin in the game. She was falling in love with Jimmy. We bring such different things to the table that I think we probably both recognize that there was potential for a a very special collaboration. What are the different things that you guys bring to the table? Well, Meru was just special because here we were falling in love and, you know, this was Jimmy's personal story. And for me, it became like kind of urgently important to be able to facilitate him telling the best version of it. And how long did you guys date before you got married? Not very long. We probably got married within the year. Um which was great. And I mean, and we made these two films and we had two children. I mean, it's all been very rich. And it's a lot. Yeah, we had our second child two months into this production. Wow. Yeah. The production they're talking about is Free Solo. Does it feel different to be up there without a rope? It's obviously like much higher consequence. El Cap is the most impressive wall on earth. It's 3,200 feet of sheer granite. Obviously, I get interview questions about it all the time. Oh, would you like to do that? You're like, yes, for sure. What were the conversations between the two of you like to say, we want to do this again? We want to collaborate on another movie, this movie. Yeah, I think we were pretty committed to that idea. I think we also recognized, you know, what we each brought to the table and how, you know, hopefully we could make something different and beyond what we could each do on our own. I think we both agree that, you know, I couldn't have made this film on my own um, and Chai couldn't have made it on her own. I think that it was that collaboration that really made it more than the sum of its parts. And that there was also, I mean, you know, some practical reasons on my part where I'm like, Yosemite is an incredibly special place for Jimmy. 
how wonderful would it be to bring both of our children and be in one place that is Yosemite and make a movie together? You know, Yosemite is just so special. And so I think it was an opportunity. And I thought it was the perfect marriage of our talents. And that was exciting. It was exciting and it was interesting. Chai said before that she doesn't really give a damn about climbing. It definitely wasn't part of her life before she met Jimmy. And in contrast, climbing is this thing that's essential to who he is. Free Solo has become one of the most talked about documentaries of this year. It won the People's Choice Award at the Toronto Film Festival, and now it's been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary Film. Do the two of you think your marriage informs your collaboration? Or does your collaboration inform your marriage? Is it easier to work together because you have this unique relationship? It's a good question. Um, I think it's efficient. Is it easier to work with each other? I think it's nice to be able to spend more time together because otherwise our professional lives take us all over the place and it's just nice to be able to count on this space as time we are just together Um, and our families together for the most part. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I mean, it certainly poses challenges sometimes in the sense that we are always talking about it, but that's also an advantage. I think probably the the most important aspect about it is the level of trust we have for each other in our respective roles. You know, like, I trust Chai's judgment in the edit and, like, really being able to break down the threads and the, the narrative in a way that I've never seen anybody else do. And I think that... You know, Chai trusts trusts me a lot in terms of deciding, is this safe enough to do? Do you have the right crew? How are you going to shoot it? Like, you know, she doesn't ever ask because I think she trusts me on it. And I think having that layer um, as part of our relationship is very special. But I do demand, right? I do ask, like, for certain things. Like, can't you get this too? (laughs) Yeah. And I can say... Yes or no. <laughs> but we do have two directors in the house. I don't know. It looks like three with our daughter. I don't know. Yeah. Actually, you're right. Everyone's got opinions. But I think for Free Solo, it's different because it is the perfect marriage, no pun intended, of our talents. I love a good pun. I love ending on a good pun. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we get back, we'll meet Nelia and Joe, who have used their similar talents. They're both scientists who study volcanoes. To live and thrive in one of the harshest environments on the planet. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. 
we'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. This story starts in 1983. Nelia Dunbar was a grad student at the New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology, and she got this last-minute invitation to be a field assistant at the McMurdo Research Station in Antarctica. She said yes, packed up her life, and headed down to one of the most extreme scientific facilities on Earth. The first night I was in McMurdo, after dinner in the evening, we went on a snowmobile trip to this place called the Erebus Ice Tongue, which is a big glacial ice tongue that floats on the ocean. The trip was led by this guy named Bill, who'd been going down to McMurdo to study volcanoes since 1977. I guess my first impression of Bill was that he had a lot of Antarctic experience, and I had complete trust and confidence that going to the Erebus Ice Tongue in the middle of the night was a great idea. He knew what he was doing in the field in Antarctica. Down at the end of the ice tongue are these open crevasses that are beautiful on the inside. They're very icy and crystally. And so we went on this late night trip to the Erebus ice tongue and we're crawling around in these ice caves, which was fantastic. As one does. And then I ended up hitting myself in the head with my ice axe and got a huge cut and had to get a bunch of stitches. So we went to medical and there was this young woman working in medical who was the the navy corpsman for the night and she spent a long time stitching it really carefully so that i wouldn't have a big frankenstein scar on my face you guys are officially the first couple that we've had on committed whose first meeting involves an ice axe probably the last a lot of ice axes three years but that was the worst and i guess uh, my first impression of Nelia that night was that she was uh, not afraid of anything and Ready, ready for adventure. Unlike Jimmy and Chai, Nelia and Bill became a team before they became a couple. They were going to do research up on Mount Erebus, this giant active volcano on Ross Island. But the high camp of Erebus is 11,000 feet, so they had to acclimate at the midpoint of the volcano. Bill and I were tenting together, so we had quite a bit of time to get to know each other on, you know, during this acclimatization and then later on the volcano. And so is it common that you would tent with someone of the opposite sex? You know, it is actually because the Antarctic field teams are, you know, typically an, an even number of people and often they're mixed male or female. That is not uncommon, I would say. If there's two women in the group, typically they'll tent together, but I was the only woman in this group. Yeah, tell me what that's like. What is it like to camp in Antarctica? How do you even do that? Yeah, it's a, that's a long answer, but the tents that we use are called Scott Polar Tents. And they are a big, heavy tent. They weigh about 100 pounds, and they're eight by eight on the floor. You know, that's your whole little world inside the tent. And, you know, you sleep there, you eat there, you read and, you know, entertain yourself during the day. And, and it's, it's light 24 hours a day, so you're not kind of under the same uh, constricted schedule that most of us are of uh, only doing things during the day. And typically, you'll have a stretch of good weather where you're really not in the tent very much at all except to sleep, interspersed with periods of bad weather that if you're in a tent camp, pin you down in the tent, sometimes for days at a time. 
When did you guys start falling for each other? I feel like being in a situation like that, you can either fall in love or come out of it completely hating the other person. I would say, well, to me, it was pretty obvious that Bill and I got along really well right from the beginning, you know, interested in the same things and both love being outside and both love geology and we're totally thrilled to work on this active volcano. But we didn't actually get together while we were in Antarctica that year. But but on the way back, we spent some time in New Zealand and we got together while we were there. Bill went back to Antarctica from New Zealand, got on an icebreaker. That's a ship that cuts through polar ice and went to study in South America after that. Nellie went back to New Mexico to finish grad school. But it wasn't too long after that that Bill applied to be a grad student at New Mexico Tech. They went back to Antarctica the next year. And the next. And the next. It's been like 25 times together since then. They were committed and in love, but planning a wedding. Well, that just really got in their way of going to the ice continent and doing science. So they were dating for 12 years before they finally got around to it. The thing that was really complicated was finding a summer when we weren't so busy that fitting in a wedding was actually going to work. So, and and my Bill and my mom were the main planners of our wedding. Yeah, that was one of the conditions. That was a condition, yeah. <laughs> and why was that? Oh, because Bill and my mom got along really well. And I had low enthusiasm for, for the planning process. And they did a great job. They got married in Maine. A little island, lobster picnics and a ceremony on the front porch of Nellia's family home. We have a little island in Maine that's been in my family since the late 1800s, and it seemed like the perfect place to get married. So it was a small wedding with just maybe 35 people, family and friends, and a lot of activities. So it was really fun. That was it during the summer, and the, the northern summer, and all the Antarctic trips are during the northern winter, southern summer. So we have a little time, a little time in the summer. When you're a couple in Antarctica, you're a couple pretty much all the time. There's no breaks. You live together, work together, sleep together, freeze together. When we're in the field, we are together 24-7, and a certain amount of that time in a small tent. So yeah, it's very, uh, very close quarters. And really, there's no internet, there's no cell phones, and and a, a lot of time together. Which is fine. The tent's eight by eight square floor, and it's a four-sided pyramid, eight feet tall at the peak, so you can hang wet clothing up in the top and dry it. But uh, storm days, what, together we probably spent a week mm-hmm. at, at the maximum, well, many, many storm days, but a week straight running where you really, you're kind of pinned down in the tent. But Nelly and I have, uh, have got some good strategies for the storm days, which involve her knitting and me reading out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys feel like you got to know each other better faster or just generally better than most people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt about well, that. Well, I don't know about better than most people. But. Uh, I, don't. <laughs> I would argue maybe yes. Okay. In a storm in a tent in Antarctica, if the storm's not that bad, it's not scary. But if it is bad, it is quite scary. And so you see each other in a maybe more stressful situation, more physically um, dangerous and stressful situations than I think many married people would necessarily go through. How do you even begin to navigate a marriage in such close quarters? I think when we first met each other, it was in the field in Antarctica. So that's really what our marriage has always been. And I would say that our science lives and personal lives are intermingled to an extent that makes them one and the same. 
don't. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, it, this doesn't work for everybody. There, and there are a few examples of couples who've gone to Antarctica, you know, many years after being married, and things did not go well in the field. So it doesn't work for everyone. Do you ever drive each other crazy? <laughs> not, you know, not, no. no. I would say not. What have you guys learned doing this? What's your advice for couples who maybe aren't research scientists who are trapped in a tent on the side of an active volcano together, but maybe live in a three-bedroom house in the suburbs with a bunch of kids running around? I think maybe get married to someone who likes doing the same kind of things you do. It's nice to be married to somebody who's really good at stuff. When we're in Antarctica, there's you know, different things going on. One person can't really hold all the threads together, and you've really got to be able to trust other people to get things right, get schedules right, get you know, calculate the food right, calculate the fuel right, all those things. And I think we've uh, done this enough that we feel we can trust each other on those things, and maybe that carries over outside of Antarctica. I think having worked in Antarctica so much, you know, it's never me taking care of Bill or Bill taking care of me. It's very equal. And we have complementary skills and, like Bill said, totally trust the other person and rely on them, which in a deep field setting is really important. There was this one time that Nelia being so good at stuff actually saved Bill's life when Bill was injured in the field. We were just finishing up a field session at a place called Middle Bluff, not far from McMurdo. Last day in the field, and the weather was starting to turn bad. Nelia was out with a student, and as the weather started to get worse, Bill got worried and got on one of the snowmobiles to go pick her up. It was uh, a downslope with blue ice that had previously had snow on it, got blown off. Anyway, Skidoo slipped sideways and ended up going off a, a 20-foot ice cliff, and I shattered my heel. I saw Bill's Skidoo start to slide and go over the cliff. The timing was very fortuitous because then I was able to respond to the problem. And the injury was, you know, significant. It was it was non-trivial. And and then to start getting the medevac going. And so and in bad weather. I had to walk across about a quarter mile of, of hard blue ice to get to the accident site. And if I hadn't had the crampons, I wouldn't have been able to do it. We called in the medevac. And then the helicopter came in to pick Bill up, you know, just minutes before the weather was completely unflyable. So it was uh, quite an event. And fortunately, when uh, Nelia called in the accident, there was a uh, C-17 on the deck on the sea ice runway at McMurdo. And then uh, I was back in New Zealand in the end, 12 hours 12 after hours, the accident. Yeah, 12 hours after the accident. And that's what it means to have a wife who's super capable. <laughs> exactly. Those love stories were small and sweet just like those chalky Valentine's Day hearts that no one really wants to eat, but you give them to people anyway. I like those. I guess what they made me think about was, how can we have more adventure in our marriage? You know, to be honest, we have a pretty adventurous marriage. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good about that. Hey, Let's mama. just listen to this little guy. Hey, daddy. <laughs> That's daddy. daddy. 
Right there. Right now, this might be our greatest adventure. You know, it really is, actually. And that, that's a cliche, but it's true. And I am That's right, fella. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, sweetheart. Darling. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.